You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about stamina and resilience. So two characteristics I know to be true of great entrepreneurs are stamina and resilience. I mean, there are so many other things that make up a great entrepreneur, but if you don't have the stamina or endurance to keep going when times get tough or the resilience to pick yourself back up time after time after getting knocked down, then you're just not going to make it. You're just not. Today's guest knows a thing or two about stamina and resilience. As an Ironman athlete who built and sold a 200-employee software business that spanned 12 countries, he knows a thing or two about going the distance. Stephen Pivnik is also the newly minted author of Built to Finish, How to Go the Distance in Business and in Life. Welcome to Eloma, Stephen. Thank you, Kylie. Great to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So, um, you know, building a company to 200 employees spanning 12 continents is, uh, you know, quite a quite a thing. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what that journey looked like for you, how you started your IT business and what it took to scale to 200 employees in 12 continents or sure. countries. <laughs> There's only seven of those. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Countries. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Sure. So I started my career as a computer programmer in the early, late 80s, early 90s. And around the 1993 timeframe, I got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. And I thought that I could um, you know, have a better career and make a bigger difference in, in, my, in the industry by starting my own company. So along with a couple of other founders, we started a consulting organization and we started doing custom application development and doing some really cool um, application projects for various companies. We were headquartered on Wall Street at the time. So we had a lot of financial wow. industry customers and, and the like. And one of them, a bank, um, you may have heard of them, JP Morgan, now JP Morgan Chase, um, yeah. heard about our custom application um, development abilities, and they asked us to develop a conversion product tool to convert some email data for them. And we thought to ourselves, well, that's a really boring project, but being entrepreneurial and not wanting to turn down any business, we said, sure, we'll write this little conversion utility for you. Um, fast forward a couple of years, that tiny little custom project mushroomed into an entire suite of products that help companies convert email data. So back then, this is early 90s, um, enterprise email platforms were starting to be a thing and companies needed to get data onto that platform. So our little custom project turned into an entire suite of products to help um, service that trend that was occurring in the marketplace in terms of getting data onto the email platforms that were becoming popular um, at the time. So slowly but surely, it was you know month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year of growth. And we grew the company for 26 years straight until we, until we finally sold it. <laughs> okay, all right, we gotta back up. I have questions here. Um, sure. <laughs> so I think that's such a great example of um, taking advantage of an opportunity. Sure. Right. So like, I mean, think about what if you guys had not, if you said, no, that's boring, I'm not going to do that. Like the company would probably look quite different today. 
Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I yeah. can't even imagine what the company would have. Um, it definitely would have been substantially smaller. We definitely yeah. wouldn't had. We wouldn't have created a global footprint for ourselves. Um, it would have been very, very, some. Would something else as interesting would have come up? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe yeah. Not. But yeah, yeah t- taking advantage of something, um, something like that proved um, to be incredibly pivotal. Pivot. Pivotal. Pivotal. Our, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not twelve continents, but pivotal. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. So I think that's just such a great lesson and a great reminder that we need to be as entrepreneurs. We need to keep our eyes and our ears open and uh, be open-minded about whatever opportunities might present themselves and always take advantage of trying to continue to further those opportunities and get curious because you never know where it's going to go. Um, the second thing I want to dive into before we move on, 26 years is a long time. Yes. So we're talking about stamina and resilience a bit here. <laughs> how do you, how did you do this? For 26 years. You know, it's it's a great coincidence that 26 years, 26 miles happens to be the distance of a marathon. So <laughs> it's a complete coincidence. Um, you know what? We, you know, one, one of my biggest things that I talk about a lot is having fun. I mean, it was fun from day one. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it wasn't stressful. I mean, I've went through every single, you know, form of stress, you know, known to man. Being an entrepreneur is very, very stressful. But the underlying feeling that we had most of the time was fun. Um, we, we just had a great time doing what we were doing. Uh, we really enjoyed the, the customers that we were working with. And we we just, you know, the, the old saying goes, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I don't feel like I've worked for 26 years. I just feel like I had a you know 26-year endurance event <laughs> called being the founder and owner of a company. And that that helped, you know, to wake up in the morning every single day and to to get after it. Yeah. Was there like a a mindset or a mantra or anything that was really uh, important for you during as you as you built? Yeah, I mean, our mind we had a maniacal approach to customer satisfaction. I mean, that, that was okay. the underlying foundation for, from the time that we were, you know, doing consulting work and, and application development to our email conversion products. We had a maniacal approach. If a customer had a problem, it could be at 4 p.m. on Friday. It could be in the middle of a weekend. It could be whenever. Their problem became our problem. And it was an all hands on deck type mentality. You know, I spent weekends at customer sites. I have uh, dozens of employees that have ruined their um weekends and vacations because of customer issues. So I think the the maniacal approach to customer satisfaction was just, you know, one of these mantras um, that we had that carried the day all the time. And what about for you independently, like as an owner, was there anything that like, like a personal mantra or a saying or, or mindset that was really crucial for you? Um, I don't think I said it very often, but I definitely had the work hard, play hard mentality. We definitely, sure. whenever I had an opportunity to interview somebody, I mean, one one of my many questions was, if you're looking for a 40 hour a week job, this isn't the right place for you. It just, there's just way too much work to do. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, there's a lot of demand for our products and our services. So there's going to be a lot of demand on your time. 
Um, in return, obviously there was there was financial uh, rewards for for folks in terms of you know salary, bonuses, stock options, and other forms of compensation. But then we also back to my fun comment. We also went out of our way to make sure we had fun, and we made a lot of we built a lot of friendships. We, we threw some some great holiday parties. We had a lot of wonderful outings. Even when the company became very virtual, and we we were virtual before virtual was a thing. We weren't mm-hmm. exactly pioneers, but really, really um, early on, we became a virtual company. We spent because we didn't have money because we didn't have the expense of real estate. Uh, we had budget to spend on company get-togethers, and yeah. whether it's holiday parties or just little regional get-togethers, or maybe pre and post trade show get-togethers for the staff that were attending a trade show, we sure. went above and beyond to make sure every we we just had fun as as a group, and that helped a lot. Yeah, I mean that's that's critical, and investing in your people is so important. And uh, I love that fun was such a big piece for you guys because it's easy to forget that sometimes. Like, as you mentioned, there's always so much work to be done. And and sometimes we do interrupt vacations and our weekends and all the things that we know and, and don't want to do. Um, but it's important that we make sure that we prioritize that as well, because life is short, right? 100%. Well said. <laughs> um, okay. So that being said, I'm sure there are a ton of lessons you learned along the way. So what were what are some big lessons that pop out to you, either personally as an individual um, and or anything about running the business, like like big lessons. I mean, I think maybe have have fun, make it fun is probably one of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah go the, ahead. The, the big, I mean, I, I wouldn't do too many things differently, but the biggest thing I would do differently from a business owner perspective is to focus on recurring revenue. As mm. successful as we were, and the, even though we grew for 26 years in a, in a row, our products and our services were very project-based. As a, as a company needed to be doing something in order to need our products and services, mm-hmm. which is very, very um, strange for the software industry because most software is purchased. And then there's either a subscription in a SaaS model or there's yeah. a maintenance fee paid for the renewal of, of that software. Our, our software was one-time use software. So, which made it really challenging. So come December, I'm sorry, January 1st, we needed to refill our pipeline and sell as much as we sold last year and 10% more every single January. Um, We pulled it off just because, just because there was such, you know, great demand for our, our, our products. And it was, um, we did a better job than our competition. So that's why we pulled it off. But hindsight being 2020, had we focused a little bit more on recurring revenue type products, it would have been significantly less stressful to you know hit that number every quarter, every year. Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes sense. The Accelerator is exactly what you've been looking for. If you're either an executive woman ready to leave corporate and start your own thing, but don't know where or how to get started, or you're an existing woman small business owner and you're ready to level up your business, We've built a -a one-of-a-kind six-month training program with over a dozen industry experts that took me nearly a decade to assemble, and I am delivering this to you on a platter. I have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and months of wasted time and energy over the last decade by not having these resources available to me, and I want to change the way women are running their businesses so they can make more money faster with less anxiety and fewer unreliable partners which is why we've built the Accelerator. 
It's time to level up and make sure you're leveraging your business to support the life you want to be living personally, professionally, and financially. Learn more at rixrixaccelerator.com. Anything else that came up for you, like life lessons learned, business lessons, anything else that popped up over 26 years? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) again, hindsight is an incredibly powerful tool, right? Yeah. (laughs) So we always shied away from bringing on outside capital. We were very proud that we were bootstrapped and didn't have to give away any equity to um, other investors. Nice. Um, So, and and it ended up working out well because when I finally had the exit, I got to keep 100%. I mean, except for the employee stock options and other um, folks that got compensated. um, There weren't any investors that got a piece of that pie. So that worked out well at the end. That's awesome. But had there been professional investors in the company earlier on, we would definitely have, we we would have grown faster and we would have realized mm. an exit a lot quicker than than 26 years. Again, no, no regrets, but just yeah. a, a lesson. That and the recurring revenue were, were two very expensive lessons learned. That is, yeah, that is an expensive lesson. And also like the amount of time, right? So, sure. I mean, you dedicated 26 years of your life. And like you said, there's no regrets. But if you had asked for help sooner you know, maybe the exit would have come earlier and who knows what dollar signs would have looked like. But um, yeah, you know, I read a quote, uh, boy, I read a quote the other day and I think it's from maybe Henry David Thoreau. We'll see. But (laughs) something along the lines of um, the cost for everything is the amount of life you're willing to pay for it. Oh, wow. I like that. I'm going to have to like, don't... All, all listeners, look that up before you start quoting it. But um, <laughs> some, it's something like that. And I think that's really an interesting perspective yes. in the world of entrepreneurship and business ownership, because we do uh, so much, so often our lives become one with our business. Sure. And it's like, how much life are you willing to trade? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. And again, I mean, I, I advise other founders now, and I, I know the path to liquidity much so much better now than yeah. I did in the past. So it's just so much easier. There's so many um, proven ways to grow quicker, you know, more efficiently and realize exits um, than, than the path I went. I, again, no regrets. Mm-hmm. It was a phenomenal ride and I'm still young enough to do it again. Yeah. And, um, but I, I get a lot of um, joy into helping others <laughs> do it and living vicariously through them. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's such a gift too. I mean, so often we want to take the things we've learned and, and give them back to, yes. to help other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let me ask you this then. So for anybody listening and they want to scale their business, maybe in a similar fashion or, you know, however you would recommend what recommendations. So let me, let me rephrase this. What recommendations would you have to give to somebody listening who wants to scale quickly and is looking for an exit? or a sale payday. Sure. And the the biggest piece of advice I can give is to surround for the founder to surround themselves with people that have been there done that. People that are, you know, mo- most founders think they know it all, you know, nobody can run this business better better than I can. That is not true. There are people that are out there that that have that have a track record and the experience of doing accomplishing exactly what you want accomplished. So it may be very expensive 
but it's he or she is worth their weight in gold. So to, to surround yourself with the right chief operating officer, chief financial officer, head of sales, um, head of marketing, help, head of HR and IT, all those functions are so incredibly important. You know, some a little bit more, more than others, but you have to overclub those positions. For example, let's say you're running a $20 million company and you're looking for a new CFO. Don't hire a CFO that has experience running a $20 million company. Hire a CFO that's coming out of a $30, $40, or $50 million company because they're, they're going to be able to take your organization to the next level quicker. Mm -hmm. And that um, same can be said for every other um, executive function that I just mentioned. Overclub those positions, and you're going to be amazed at how much quicker and easier and less stressful growth is going to be. I feel that so deeply. That's such great advice. And it, it's hard sometimes because those positions come with some pretty steep price tags. Yes. But, uh, you know, I was just speaking with somebody yesterday and they were like, uh, you know, I was wondering if this is going to be worth the investment. And it almost always is. Yes. Like when you find the right person, just go all in. I, I People are the greatest investment you can make. And so I love that that's the number one recommendation. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I find that, and I was this way as well, a lot of founders, they hem and haw over some of the folks that they have um, in their company. And there's uh, a lot of founders make the mistake of hiring friends, hiring family, and mm -hmm. keeping people um, along longer than they they should be within the organization. And these are gut-wrenching decisions. Every single time yeah. I had to make one of these gut-wrenching decisions, I stayed up nights, if not weeks, and was nauseous when I had to have that conversation. But after it was it was said and done, it was the best thing in the world. And without exception, I was kicking myself in the head for not doing it sooner. So yeah. when you have the right people in the right role, it's it's amazing how much smoother things become. It's true. And and yeah, they're never easy conversations. Like they suck. Yes. They and I don't think they get easier either. No, they, like, they never do. The first no. one as, as much as the hundredth one did. Yeah, it sucks. Like I know every time I've had to let somebody go, like I've cried for most of them, <laughs> you know, like not on the call or on the conversation. Right. right. But like, it just sucks. It sucks because you care. Sure. Um, okay. Well that, that leads me into my next question. So, so much of entrepreneurship and building a business is about being able to make decisions and make hard decisions. Right. So what is one decision that, and I won't say that you regretted but that you maybe wished had not been such a painful lesson to learn if we haven't already covered it. Yeah, painful lesson to learn. Um, we rushed into a lot of things. Um, you know, we, we we did a couple of acquisitions, a couple of aqua hires. Um, you know, some of them, we were so caught up in the excitement of announcing an acquisition because, you know, we wanted to pound our chest in the marketplace. Look at us. Uh, yeah, not only yeah. are we growing organically, but we're also acquiring companies. So there was, um, I'd say at least one, possibly two, um, that should have should have been done a little a little bit differently, or or maybe not done at all. Just again, we were getting way ahead of ourselves, and or maybe I was getting way ahead of myself, sure. and and wanting to you know be a big boy on the street and announce announce an acquisition. So that that's probably um, what I want to leave people with. Don't 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 rush into things just for, just for your ego. <laughs> Yeah, that's big though. And that's also hard to check sometimes, especially when you get yeah. on a good on a roll. Yeah, exactly. that's good. Exactly. Um, okay, so all that being said, you are 
a newly minted author. <laughs> you have just released your new book, Built to Finish. Um, now, talk to me a little bit about uh, some of the things that you want readers to take away from this book. Sure. So when I started um, participating in endurance sports, I found out that there is a lot of similarities between entrepreneurship and endurance sports. All the planning, preparation, execution, pivots, setbacks, stamina, perseverance. I mean, you name it. There, there, the list goes on and on yeah. and on. You know, entrepreneurship is an endurance sport. Um, I just, I really, I when I sold my company. And at, coincidentally, at the same time, I had finally qualified for the Ironman World Championship in Kona, Hawaii, which is like for the, the best of the best in the sport and a, a hundred other lucky lottery winners like me <laughs> um, to, um, to get into. It. I said, you know what? I just I need to document this because I, I want to share all of the lessons that I've learned along both journeys, the business journey and the entrepreneurial journey. But to answer your question, uh, what I want people to walk away with is that there's a formula for success, um, whether it be mm. endurance sports or whether it and I'm not, I'm not talking about winning endurance sports. I'm talking about participation in endurance sports, which yeah. in and of itself is a Herculean effort and a, something to be very, very proud of. My motto is not fast, not last. I've never won one race. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care because I enjoy the participation not fast, not um, in the event. Yeah. Um, there's a there's so many people that have been super successful in business and in endurance sports, and they have formulas for how they do what they do. So um, I wanted to you know, not that I'm I mean, again, I'm, I'm proud of the success I've had in both. And I just wanted to share, you know, some of those ingredients so that others can can just take, you know, one, two, three or five or all 21 chapters and apply that to, to their own life. OK, so 21 chapters all different lessons learned. What's one, one teaser you can give us right now? In the biggest teaser is envisioning the finish and manifesting things. I, the, the human mind is not capable of telling the difference between an event that actually happened or one that was very well, very um, properly, vividly imagined. So it, with not, uh, you don't need to become a, ma a master at meditation. Uh, uh, you know, one-on-one level meditation skill will allow you to really envision something in your mind. And then all of a sudden you subconsciously start acting in the best interest of that goal that you just envisioned. And it's it's amazing the outcomes that you'll see. As an example, I um three years four years prior to selling my company, I really um th that's when the the plan was hatched. I'm going to sell my mm -hmm. company. And I had a specific number in mind. At the same time, I said, I'm going to get into the Ironman World Championship. I wrote a checkout to myself for a specific number and I hung it in front of my computer. And I also right next to a poster of the Ironman World Championship. And I said, someday, somehow, I'm going to cross the finish line at the Ironman World Championship, and I'm going to get a check for that much money. Yeah. And four, four years later, um, both were accomplished. So I think envisioning the finish and yeah. and manifesting things uh, is a, just an incredibly powerful tool. And I think that's chapter 20. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with people about the power of manifestation and not everybody's a believer, but I think that it it is so powerful. And what your what your mind can produce is in in real life is is so crazy. And so that's such a great example. I know there's also another story. I love how you wrote yourself a check. So 
there's another story of um, Jim Carrey writing yes. himself a check for $10 exactly. million dollars, um, for like, a, you know, by Thanksgiving of a certain date. And he went about and did all, all of his things and then started like the mask and all these movies. And then he got Dumb and Dumber. And he yep. got paid $10 million for that movie. And he did it like the year before this, this date that he had set for himself. Um, and so, yeah, there's something really tangible to that. That's really yeah, awesome. I, I, I heard that Jim Carrey story just uh, a month or two ago. And I'm like, holy cow, him too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it does work. I think I'm going to start that. I'm going to write myself a check. And I'm just going to stick it right there. And, uh, you know, we'll just dangle it in front of me for a few years. We'll see what happens. Yep. Um, I love it. So Stephen, you've done so many things that you have great reason to be wildly, wildly proud of. What are you most proud of right now wow. at this conversation? Most proud of, I think I'm most, so I think, you know, I got the entrepreneurial spirit and the hard, the great work ethic, you know, from my father, um, who's passed, he's not with us anymore. And also from my grandfather who, uprooted an entire family from Eastern Europe, you know, to move us to, to the United States for in search of a better life. Um, I think I'm most proud of instilling that same type of work ethic and, you know, go-getter type attitude in, into my daughters. I think, you know, they're they're armed, they, they, they've seen it, they've witnessed it, right? So I think they're armed with the same type of mentality that they, as long as you, you know, set a goal, and put your mind to it and go through the proper process of, you know, planning and execution that it can be achieved. You know, they're in the, they've already achieved some great things in their young lives. And I think they know that they can achieve anything they set their mind to. And I, I love the Iron Man mantra is anything is possible. And I reuse that all the time. I think instilling in them to believe that anything is possible is probably my biggest accomplishment. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And how lucky they are to have such an incredibly supportive dad. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And yeah. thank you. Thank you for bringing, bringing this even greater into the world. Um, so this, this might lead into the next question and you might just say like ditto. So that's totally <laughs> fine. If you say that, um, I've got two more questions for you, Stephen. Sure. Uh, what impact do you want to have on the world or what legacy do you want to leave? Um, it's, it's pr pretty ditto. I would, I would just okay. add that, you know, just don't, don't be, don't be afraid. I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, have some ideas of lofty goals and they say, you know what, that's not possible. Not for me. That's not, that, I, that can't happen. And I, I, I couldn't tell you that that's, that's not true. I'm a college dropout and a, other than skiing, I was a complete couch potato. I didn't participate in any sports growing up and I didn't take on triathlon until I was 40. So, with, you know, you, you can easily say that I have no right ever crossing the finish line at the Ironman World Championship. And I have no right collecting a fat check from a company exit that I grew for 26 years because of because of on that the lack of any sort of pedigree. So I, I hope that I, 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 I dispel the myth um, that many people have that some goals are just not for them. It's it's just not true. Anything is possible, right? Anything is possible. Yeah. Okay. Last question for you. What is your greatest insight or discovery about both life and entrepreneurship? Insight or discovery. I'm, I, I have to go back to my fun comment. I think it's just such an integral part of living, working, 
and participating in in any hobbies. If it's not fun, just don't don't do it anymore and find 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 something that that is. I mean, it's medically proven that laughter adds years to to life. I forget what the actual formula is, but whatever it is, I'm probably going to live to 140 because I, you know, I <laughs> 100 times a day because I love my family, I love my friends, I love what I do, and I'm always laughing and giggling. And so I, I think you know, find what makes you happy and and pursue it is would be the answer. I love that. I love that. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. If people want to reach out for more information, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Um, best way is um, via my website. You can go to stephenpivnik.com or you can um, find me on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Um, and we'll make sure that that information is in the show notes. If you have loved listening to this podcast as much as I have had conducting it, Um, please go ahead and leave a review wherever you are listening. And Stephen, thank you so much and congratulations on the book launch. Thank you, Kylie. It was great being here. Are you struggling with recruiting the right talent, employee or team retention, engagement and advocacy, innovation, building your team's business and leadership skills? We are bringing entrepreneurial skill sets, business acumen and ownership mindset to organizations to help them build entrepreneurs with our entrepreneur training program. This new program will help companies and organizations elevate their talent and increase profitability by expanding tangible business skill sets, improving cross-department functionality and communication, amplifying leadership capabilities, and so much more. If you'd like to learn more, check out rixitp.com and book a discovery call today. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.